We talk a lot about law firms on this podcast, but today we're going in-house, and more specifically, the house we're going into is Tesla's. We'll discuss why they've cycled through a bunch of top lawyers in the past few years, and what that has to do with, well, you know who. Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the weekly legal news podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz, and I'm glad to be back from vacation. So here's a list of names for you. Dane Butswinkus, Jonathan Chang, Alan Prescott, Bill Barry, David Searle. Those are all five of the people who've held and left the position of top lawyer at Tesla in just the past four years. Searle is the latest to go, having left his position, but not the company altogether a few weeks ago. That distinction will become important in a bit, trust me. Why is Searle the latest to go through this rapidly spinning Tesla turnstile? Some folks speculated it had to do with an internal investigation he was heading up, but there's no real proof of that right now. What there is proof of is that being the chief legal officer at this electric car powerhouse seems to be a pretty short-term position. Is that a problem for the company and for the... um? eccentric billionaire who owns it, Elon Musk, of course, especially at a time when Tesla has some pretty weighty legal matters to address, from allegations of unfair labor practices to issues with its self-driving technology. To find out, I brought on Brian Baxter, the Bloomberg Law reporter who broke the story about the latest personnel move at Tesla. I asked him why it's so hard for this company to keep a GC for more than a few months and about what's behind this most recent vacancy. So this is a story we've been working on for a while, and I should give uh, credit to my colleague, uh, Edward Ludlow at Bloomberg News, who has also uh, been reporting about Tesla and was kind of at the time that we published our story was on his honeymoon. Uh, so, you know, he was putting in overtime to sort of this wasn't something we we, we, we whipped together at the last minute. Right, but, that's above and um, beyond the call of duty. Above, far above and beyond the call of duty. Um, and, and so, you know, just in talking with sources over the past month or so, we sort of learned that uh, David Searle had uh, resigned from his position as acting head of legal uh, sometime in late July. And, you know, we sort of did a lot of reporting before we came to the conclusion that we were ready to publish, including having gone to Tesla, Elon Musk, uh, other folks in the, in the legal group there, including the new uh, acting head of legal, Dina Eskin. Uh, and so, you know, after feeling comfortable with our sourcing and, you know, doing our due diligence, uh, we decided to publish the story. Once we did, Tesla came out in, in a somewhat unusual move. They they generally don't comment on personnel matters. Um, but we did have an inkling this time around. I think it's safe to say that there might be a little, there was some pushback. I don't want to get into sourcing, but the, the, about, you know, whether or not sort of hanging on the word left, what does left mean? What does it mean when you resign your job? Are you still with your employer, you know, I don't want to speculate about, you know, anything on Tesla and that's for them to clarify, which they have decided not to. Um, but, you know, if, when you leave your job, it's certainly possible that you can be, you know, obligate, have certain obligations to a former employer for a certain amount of time. Um, whether that's the case here, we don't know. Um, that's between Tesla and Mr. Searle and, and for them to clarify. And so far, neither of them have. And it's worth noting that this uh, company, which, of course, is run by Elon Musk, uh, responded to uh, your story on Twitter with the tweet. They did. <laughs> yes. Quite apropos, right? As uh, Mr. Musk uh, prepares to you know, go to court over his uh, $44 billion buyout of, of Twitter that he doesn't want to proceed with anymore, Tesla did take to Twitter and... I don't want to say outright deny our story. They denied that David Searle had left the company again. It, 
sort of hinges. It depends on what your definition of the word left is, right? <laughs> so right, they didn't say that he was still head of legal. They said that he, it was, uh, you know, inaccurate to report that he had left the company. And before we get into the broader trend of what's going on here, let's talk about Searle just a little bit more. Um, he was, uh, you know, before he left his position, he was heading up an investigation into this purchasing issue that Tesla was having. Is there any indication that he was pushed out because of this investigation or the investigation in any way led to uh, this, this personnel move? I mean, there's certainly been folks who have told us things that we haven't been able to corroborate. Um, I mean, we have reported uh, in July, my, my colleague Ed Ludlow, who broke the news on this, that David Searle was leading uh, an internal investigation into some purchasing orders at the company by a, a key Musk lieutenant. Whether or not that his David Searle's decision to, to resign had anything to do with that, we don't really know yet. I think I don't think we're we're comfortable enough with reporting exactly what happened there. Um, I, there's been a lot. You know, there's been a lot of rumor and innuendo, but, you know, we don't traffic in that. We're, we can only report what we know. Right. And for sure, I suspect at some point maybe that we'll get some more information on that front. So now let's get into the broader trend. And this is just beyond David Searle and looking at, you know, how Tesla handles its legal matters. So um, your story, both last week and this week, was kind of astonishing to me because it tabulated how many chief legal officers and acting chief legal officers the company has had in the last few years. And it's easily, you know, we're talking about half a dozen at this point. Um, this can't be normal for a company of this size, right, to go through this many, you know, top legal officers in this short amount of time. It is certainly unusual. Um, and the fact that, you know, the numbers kind of speak from themselves from what we've heard, you know, um, Tesla has not had a, an, a full-time individual to hold the general counsel title, which is a pretty important title in any C-suite since December of um, 2019. So anyone that has held the sort of head of legal uh, position since that time has done so on an acting or interim basis. So there's been there's no permanency uh, to the role and some would say no consistency either if you have a constant revolving door in terms of who's heading legal there. We've reported over the years on there's various reasons for that, right? Like like most billionaires, I'm sure Mr. Musk, <laughs> while a genius, is not the easiest person to work for. I th we've reported that before, um, you know, and he's in, certainly entitled to have who he wants in that position. And certainly Tesla has got to where it is. It's, I think, last I checked, the sixth most valuable company in the world. I mean, I don't want to speak for the company, but they're, they're clearly doing things that have made themselves a success. And it's up to them to whether or not they want to prioritize this this general counsel or chief legal officer role as of yet. Um, you know, from what we've reported, there hasn't been a push to find a permanent um, law department leader. And that could change going forward. You know, that's part of what we're trying to figure out. Right. Yeah. But beyond just the sort of, you know, this revolving door here, it's kind of interesting how these moves are being announced. Because, you know, when I think of a company changing its C-suite, you know, changing someone who's uh, a CEO, CFO, general counsel, things like that. You know, typically, I would think they would have to file something with, uh, you know, the SEC or with another agency to let the public and their investors know that they have this new person in here. Doesn't seem like that's how Tesla is doing this. What, how are they announcing to the public, if at all, that these moves are being made? Sure. Well, the, the, there was no announcement about this. And I, and I think there's a couple of reasons why that you can talk to various, you know, securities law experts and they will might give you some different answers. But one of the things is that David Sir was in an acting position. He wasn't a permanently appointed 
uh, individual that may require a disclosure. And he wasn't a, a named executive officer of the company. Chief legal officer is usually a C-suite role. General counsel so- sometimes is, but sometimes is not. Right. And actually, you I think in one of your stories, you quoted um, sort of a, a corporate governance expert who said that mm-hmm. the general counsel or the chief legal officer really should be uh, in the C-suite and reporting directly to the to the head of the company. Sure. And, th- and that's what some experts have told us, that that's, you know, for best corporate governance practices, that's how it should go. Um, that's not how it's been at Tesla. Um, that doesn't mean that they can't find a different way to do things, you know. And one, one of the things that's actually been interesting that, I, that I've heard lately is that, you know, you would think with this constant, you know, revolving door turnstile of lawyers that it would be hard for them to recruit, right? But, you know, I spoke with someone yesterday, you know, and they were telling me that there is no shortage of people that would, you know, at the drop of a hat, go to work for Tesla and, and Elon Musk. I mean, they have you know, from everything that I've heard, do not have a problem recruiting lawyers. They've, I think in our story, we noted that they had recently hired a, uh, a new head of compliance, a new top corporate and securities lawyer from Hewlett, Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Um, you know, there's at least a dozen listings for in-house legal positions on, on their website as of a couple of days ago. And from everything that I've heard, Tesla plays very well. Um, it's a demanding 24-7 workplace. It's, I think, I think a story earlier this month we noted in the job listing for the top corporate and securities law job that they said right out, Tesla isn't for everybody. You know, it's not, you know, the environment that you find there, they say very upfront, it might not be something for you. Um, So it's a demanding environment. There's a lot of um, pressure, but it's also quite high profile. And that was what someone was telling me yesterday that like, you know, if you get a job as, you know, even if you're acting, right, that opens up all kinds of doors for you at other tech companies, right? Like a lot of technology companies, you know, we've reported this year uh, uh, from, you know, Google Parent Alphabet to, you know, uh, numerous tech companies have looked to hire from Tesla's legal group because they have good talent. Um, Their lawyers are valued in the market. And, you know, you know, it depends on how long you could last there, right? Not it's not it's not for everyone, but it it certainly looks good on the resume. Aside from the fact that they haven't had a problem recruiting legal talent, you know, it's also been brought to my attention that Mr. Musk has had issues with lawyers at other companies, right? Like he called out Twitter's chief legal officer earlier this year, Um, we, there's been reported that, you know, he wanted a a former, uh, lawyer at the SEC who is investigating him, um, that went to a private law firm, uh, to be fired from that law firm that was doing work for Tesla because, you know, he did, he, you know, he remembered this person for, for whatever the reasons may be. Right. I I mean, so I think we've noted that maybe he doesn't value lawyers. He certainly takes an interest in (laughs) what their, and what their work is. And he certainly is recognizing them and, you know, whatever their contributions may be for good or bad. Um, he's certainly not, uh, he, he does not hesitate to weigh in on what he thinks about them. Well, and finally, I kind of wanted to, to, you know, extend that line of thought a little bit. Um, you know, I certainly would never presume to put words in Elon Musk's mouth. Nor would I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I wonder if, you know, he were listening to this, would he say, you know, this t- constant turnover in my legal department's not really a problem. It's, uh, you know, lawyers are interchangeable. It doesn't really matter as long as the work is getting done. Uh, you know, it doesn't really matter who's handling it. What do you think about that? Do you, do you think that that would be an argument that he could make about why this sort of rapidly revolving turnstile is not something to worry about or even care about? I think it'll be interesting going forward. I mean, he had tweeted earlier this year that he's looking to build you know, uh, sort of in-house justice department at, at Tesla, a hardcore litigation team, I think were the words he exactly used. Yeah. So it's, it's not, it's not like he doesn't care about, you know, lawyers or legal talent. And I, I think 
he is, again, this is just, I'm not speaking on his behalf, just from folks that of I've course. spoken to over the years. Um, he will say, you know, he's got Tesla and, you know, SpaceX's other companies to a point where a lot of critics have thought they never would have get, right? So I think he thinks that he could, it's the next person up, you know, get me where we need to go as a company. Um, and if it's not you, it's going to be someone else. I'm going to be able to find someone else. There's no shortage of resumes um, coming to that company. And it's just getting Tesla to the outcome that it wants. And it can, you know, w whether or not that can be achieved in the long run, we'll, we'll see, right? Whether whether or not this, uh, so far, the track record of success speaks for itself. And, you know, I think he would probably say that, you know, reports like ours are a distraction from Tesla's overall mission. And, you know, they're, <laughs> there's been, they have bigger fish to fry than worrying about who's the, the head of their legal group. And you know what? For, for, you know, I could see that point, right? Who am I to, to say otherwise? I We have a job to do just like he has a job to do. And, you know, we'll see in the long run how it works out. Yeah, I mean, you know, say what you will about Elon Musk, but the results speak for themselves. And people never tire of reading about Elon Musk and what's going on, I tell you. And any story, people just, you know, they're, they're fascinated with the guy. And you know, he has an interesting story. Sure does. All right, well, that was Brian Baxter uh, talking about Tesla. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for chatting. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our editor is Andrew Satter, and our executive producer is Josh Block. Reach out to us on Twitter. If you have anything on your mind, we use the handle at BLaw. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. When it comes to the environment, there are, let's say, a lot of moving parts. Climate change, air pollution, chemical contamination, endangered species. It's a lot. That's where Parts Per Billion comes in. Join us on the Parts Per Billion podcast every other Wednesday to sort out everything that's going on in the environment, from the courts to Congress to your backyard. Download and subscribe to Bloomberg Law's Parts Per Billion wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening.